Welcome to Bible Over Brews. Deep thoughts fermented over time and text. Tonight, the first edition of Skeptic's Corner. I'm here with Gumby. Hey, what's happening? Steve. Hey. Kelvin. Good evening. Mike. Ahoy there. And our resident skeptic, George. Hail Satan. No, just joking. Hey guys, how you doing? Just, a, just, a, just the resident skeptic, not not devil worshiper. But that would make for a way more interesting twist had I brought that to the table today. And we just. Everybody, Josh is We just lost ten subscribers. He's not being serious. He's just being really funny. Oh my god. So. We're going to be answering some of George's questions tonight because he brings really good questions, and so we must have really good answers. Mm. But we are going to start our night with Rheingeist Cougar. This is uh, out of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Mike? I'm going to pass. I'm too far away to read this. All right. So... This blonde ale shines a brilliant malt character, born of breezes, captured sunlight, and waffle. Waffle? Wiffle? This beer is a balanced yet dry siren whose first sip calls for the third. Hopped with arguable restraint with crystal and bravo hops, Cougar stays fierce enough to raise eyebrows, yet is tame enough to be called sessionable. Cool. It has an ABV of 4.8 and IBU of 20. Here we go. Everybody pour. All right. Wow. Let me tell you, for right off the top, there's a lot of head to this beer. That it is. <laughs> it's, it's quite foamy. So this is from Cincinnati. Mm. Um. It is. It is. It smells nice. I have to say, it's got a nice, nice, uh, arguably, yeah, good citrusy nose. Uh-huh. It's taking a little longer to pour since it is it is quite foamy. Like I said, there's plenty of head. It is a cougar. <laughs> Ooh, it's pretty clear. That's really good. I was told I had uh, several people ask me when we were going to have Rheingeist on the show. Mm. So there is definitely a following for this beer. I've had at least three or four people ask about this. I would have responded when they quit charging $10 for a six-pack. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the difference. It's a little pricey. Right. When, when you look at your, at your craft brews, they have to use real ingredients. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas if you look at, at your uh, mass production beers, so we're not naming a whole bunch of names, um, they can you know, rifle down the ingredients <laughs> a little bit and use a lot, <laughs> a lot cheaper ingredients. Like it's more seven up than beer. Gotcha. All right. So you're you have much higher grade ingredients when you go to your craft brews. That's why they're a little more expensive, is because you're getting more value for your money. I like it. Yeah. But hence why uh, these large breweries are losing market share because of the craft brews. Um there actually has been a reversal on that though. Was there? Yes, craft brews are slowly creeping up right now, and they're slowly doing better in the marketplace. Not by a large margin, but every little bit helps, right? But enough to make an impact. And what's really helping is people like, you know, in our age group, 
um, you know, uh, both your uh, Gen Xers, your Gen, your Millennials, um, they understand that there's quality inside of your craft brews, and there's flavor, and there's a robust palate, and so there is a growing number of people that are favoring the craft beers because of the quality. Yep. Yeah, this is good. It's it's uh, it's kind of delicate. You know, it's it's it, is you, it has a yeah. touch of hops, but it's mm-hmm. it's even across the plane, so you it get is. a nice full flavor without being overwhelmed by any spice or hoppy. Yeah, I like it. It's nice and clear. Very, here. Very clear. Pair nice well with fish. <laughs> Gumby, I think everything, everything pairs. <laughs> but I agree. And pizza. <laughs> you know what? This would actually go great with like a Bianca pizza or maybe a margarita pizza. Yeah. yeah. That would be good. I could see it. All right. So on the next episode. <laughs> so... Um, question one. Here we go. Genesis twenty two two. Hey, welcome back, Kelvin. Thank you very much, sir. It is nice having you back. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll give you twenty bucks for that later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll add that. Uh, <coughs> pardon me, I'm getting over a cold. I will add that Kelvin brought a uh, a great bourbon over for us as a uh, to to wet our palates. Offset <laughs> the beer a little bit. Uh huh. It's delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> It, it was the single barrel, right? Single barrel, Russell's Reserve. Yeah, Russell's Reserve, single yeah. barrel. Yes. Yeah. Really good stuff. Very much enjoyed it. But question one, here we dig up. Oh, before, oh, and I have to say that there have been a few listeners who have been waiting for you to come back. By the way. Oh man. I I did have two or three people say that they really enjoyed your radio voice and they liked your input. Yeah, you got fans. Thank you very much. <laughs> you, you do have that kind of voice. Okay, all right. Thank you very you, much. You guys have like a deeper, sexier voice than the rest of us. Like, right. we're all whiny. But, <laughs> right. Hey, guys, let's talk about titles. He brings it. Wow, you, you left us all in there, guys. Oh, he's, he's, you might speak for me, skeptic. Started <laughs> <laughs> oh. already. Round one. Kelvin is our personal Barry White. <laughs> Big shoes to fill. <laughs> but our uh, our first question is Genesis twenty two two. I'll uh, I'll go ahead and read it. God said, "Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him up as an entirely burned offering there, on one of the mountains that I will show you." Now the first yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Right? Let's get down. Let's the, let's talk. The the first thing that I'm going to point out here is that Mount Moriah is also in Lord of the Rings, right? Oh, yeah. Remember when they get caught down in the lower levels and they have to fight off all of the all the orcs to get out? Oh, is that Lord of the Rings, the first one? Uh, it's in. The... Hold on, hold on. I can think of this. Hold on. It is in. Yeah, the Fellowship of the Rings. Yes. Right, yep. It's in Fellowship of the Rings. That, mm. In fact, one of them actually says Mount Mariah. Remember that? Oh, okay. No, I don't remember. <laughs> but, uh, so that's where he wanted to offer up his son, pretty much. Yes. Where they're fighting off the orcs. Okay. Yes, this is true. Um, and it's actually it's a, a really good question. It's a really good question because this one gets brought up frequently. Okay. So, so I'd love to hear what you have to say. This has, um, to me, um, this has absolutely zero um, ethical value. Mm-hmm. It's a horrible story. Um, it 
And uh, if anything, I just think it's just um, it has no value as a lesson. So even if this is um, even in terms, I think because I was ready for Juice to tell me that you know Genesis is an allegory, <laughs> is what I was ready. But even as a lesson, that's just it's just garbage. So like if you if you think that's the right thing to do, so you mean to tell me I'm the only person here at this table right now? If God told me to kill my son, I'd be like, yeah, right, not happening. But you guys are gonna be like, okay, let's take him up to Mount Moriah and burn him to death. <laughs> Okay, God, whatever you say. Right? So, what do you guys have to say? I'm, I'm ready. It almost sounds like a Salem witch trial. Huh? You're right. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, Kelvin, what do you got to say, man? <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Directly on the spot, huh? <laughs> Anytime there's a sacrifice for any means, I always have a saying, sacrifices has to be made. But to You're take stuck. that... I hear, hear me out, hear me out. Let him talk, let him talk. To take that deliberately as it's written to offer my only son, that I could not do. I wonder. No, that's fair. Though, Go ahead. Like, like, if you knew God intimately, and you knew God for who he is and what he is, mm-hmm. and that perhaps you also know that death is just a a blockade. It's mm-hmm. only a temporary thing. If you know God, I understand maybe, your point. Maybe you do it. Maybe you do it. I honestly, I would love to know God like that. I would probably check myself into a mental institution. <laughs> you know, at that point. But uh, it does speak to me about the man and the relationship between Abraham and God. I, I still think it still it still plays off, even if you know. You're like, okay, chances are, you know, God's loving, blah blah blah. Um, like, I still think it's a sick joke. Like there's, I think it just has zero ethical value. It has, it gives just zero lessons. Like it's just this nonsense of just not even be able to question. I don't know. For this, I feel like I'm seeing this image of not being able to question your God. Just do what He says. Even though, which is something that you guys have come around and be like, no, it's good to question. But I feel like here, that's not saying that. That's saying follow through what God tells you. And like one of the most now, horrible ways possible. Now, I, I feel life. a lesson here in itself is us discussing the situation, whether we agree or disagree. That's a lesson in itself because we're elevating ourselves just by analyzing it. Uh, Another thing, too, is is, uh, to have the question presented to me like it was. I was raised, I'm not going to get into religions, but I was raised Pentecostal. So the way I was raised, anything that's in there, we take it deliberately just like it is. Don't question anything. This is the way it is. Well. And I think also in this passage, too, that... um, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that's not mentioned there. So you have to put yeah. yourself in Isaac's shoes. I'd you love to be, yeah. Well, can you backdrop it? Yeah. Well, what 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 should I know? What what makes this better? Okay, like, so, it, so Abraham, first off, remember right. Abraham is a very old man at this point, right? In his 90s, right? So is his wife. They're both in their 90s. They're both very, very old. And so, number one, it was a miracle that she conceived in her 90s. And to live into your 90s during that age was unheard of in the head. I know, it probably didn't happen either. But well, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, we to, we're, we're going by the story. Right? Yeah, you're right. right. Okay, okay. okay, so um, to live to that age was unheard of to begin with. All right. Now, Jesus, or I'm not, not Jesus, uh, Yahweh, God, had already told Abraham at this time that he promised him that he would be the father of many nations. And he only had one legitimate son with his wife, 
There was another, but we won't talk about it. Right. He had one legitimate son with his wife, Isaac, and he had been told that he would be the father of many nations. So he automatically knew that even if he had was had to kill his son, he would he would not ultimately die because the promise was already made to him that he was the father of many nations and he had one son to carry that on. There's only one way to carry that on if your son lives. So automatically he knows that something miraculous is going to happen. All right. So if you go further in the passage, if you go further to the, to the, to the uh, after this, you, as he takes his son to the mountain, you know, and uh, the son asks him, "Father, where's the sacrifice?" Mm-hmm. And he clearly says, "God will provide." Mm-hmm. What's fascinating about that passage is that he actually says God himself will provide the sacrifice. Um, which right. gets so deeper. Gave him the son then. Which gets, well, no, no, no. When they're on the mountain and he's talking to his son, he says God will himself provide the sacrifice. So that right there is very interesting. It's very interesting. Um, the reason why it is is because, number one, let's explain what a biblical typology is. Mm. Please tell me me more. So, (laughs) typology is a method of biblical interpretation whereby an element found in the Old Testament is seen to prefigure (laughs) one found in the New Testament. The initial one is called the type, and the fulfillment is designated the antitype. Either type or antitype may be a person, thing, or event, but often the type is messianic and frequently related to the idea of salvation. The use of biblical typology enjoyed greater popularity in previous centuries, although even now it is by no means ignored as a hermeneutic. Typological interpretation is specifically the interpretation of the Old Testament based on the fundamental theological unity of the two testaments, whereby something in the old shadows prefigured admobrates something in the new. Hence, what is interpreted in the old is not foreign or peculiar or hidden, but arises naturally out of the text due to the relationship of the two testaments. Can you break that down for me? <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, that clears it up, Aaron. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You really got to explain this. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, we got to make this a little clearer. I had a rough night clear. yesterday. I need, I need to boil that down to simpler words. <laughs> we got to make it a little less muddy. That was it from Theopedia. That's good beer. <laughs> That's good beer. So, the Akidah is what this comes down to. Okay. All right? First of all, you know, I'm not even going to read this right now. Let me go ahead and just go right into what the Akidah is. The Akidah is the sacrifice, well, the quote-unquote potential sacrifice of Isaac, right? Is what the Akidah is in uh, Messianic circles and in Jewish circles and even in prophetic circles. It's the explanation of what happened with Isaac and Abraham. That is the Akidah. But in Christian understanding, it is the prefigured idea of God sacrificing his own son, Jesus Christ, much later, get this, on the same hill this happened on. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right. Um. So, um, right here you'll see. What's, bah, the, bah, what's bah, the, bah. 
What's that? Under my, I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna go off track. Many years later, David would purchase the threshing floor of Aruna, where Solomon would eventually build the temple. In this case, it was at about 740 meters above sea level, but just below the peak. The mount, or the peak of the mount, is at a place just outside the city wall to the north. It's a place you can now visit today, just above an Arab bus station outside the Damascus Gate. It is known as Golgotha. And Golgotha is where Jesus was hung on the cross. So the Akidah is a father sacrificing his son for the good of all mankind. I still, okay, I see what you're saying there. I kind of like how they loop it together um, from a a storytelling perspective. But, okay, I I will save one. I'm still not buying it. Even if I think something's better at the end, (laughs) even if I think something's better, if I, like, write that death is a passage or something you were calling it, like, one, just coming up, like, just ethically, one, you have to commit murder. For your son to die, Mm -hmm. you have to kill him. All right. All right. You are now killing somebody. Right. Murder. Murder. Um, and then, uh, two, the amount of fear and pain your son would be feeling, it, it wouldn't even be worth it. It wouldn't be worth well, it. It wouldn't even, why would you subject someone to that? Just well, even if you think something's better on the other let, side. Let, let me add. When you no, know there's better let options. Let me add number one that he was not burning him alive. That's what, I thought that's what that said. In, in the sacrifice, you actually kill the sacrifice first. And burn. then the remains are burned. Sweet. Oh, don't give so what did you do? <laughs> so what did you do? Stab him in the neck? Uh, through the heart. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he's metaphorically, not, it makes more he's, sense because his son's heart would be broken watching his dad kill him. Oh, All right. So it makes sense. Oh. <laughs> it's a, it's just a, say what you really mean. Right. <laughs> it's a tough story. It really it is. is. There's it really is. no two yeah. ways around. No it, it's tough. I don't. Know. I, and uh, again, just as if this is the manual for life, I just don't. I don't. They should have. They, God should have left that one on the editing room floor. But cut that a one out. Things I've always had troubles with is that if he's that old, mm-hmm. my son's 15 right now, and he would give me a heck of a hard time trying to do anything to hurt. <laughs> right. I did. So think. I mean, I can't. I can't see the son just going along with it all the way up until the altar. You know, kind of looking back at his dad with a knife, and he's sharpening it the whole way. <laughs> like, you know, you know the son's thinking, all right, right, we get to that bush, I'm going to take him out. Like, this is what my mind is thinking. Like, there ain't no way I'm going to let him do this. I'm going to give him this elbow before Dad, he why are you looking anything. at me that way? Dad, you're looking crazy. <laughs> you know, but... Those are just my own irrational thoughts about it. But anyways... No, those are rational thoughts. Not irrational at all. No. Less, and just, the, just based I mean, on what as, you said, as you said, oh. just the thought of it alone, yeah. being a dad, yeah, and taking your only child mm-hmm. and 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 killing him, yeah, that that's, I mean that that is so contradictory to to what we're taught, yeah, yeah, you know, and I and I agree with that, and yeah. and 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 that's the crazy part of it, and how do you let it's it's hard to swallow that. Right. To say like, why would God do this? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I understand the the, the, rela- the relationship between Christ and His own Son, and you, you get that connection. But the thing is to realize is to uh, put yourself in, like in Abraham's shoes. Oh yeah. I know. Now, I know the answer. No. 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 Even what you said, as From, far as being against the law. Excuse me. As far as, far as being against the law, even if there was no law. Right. You know, I, I have four children. You know, if there was no law, yeah, to try to hurt one of them, oh mm-hmm. man, 
Well, yeah. the other part to my rational thinking was, uh, you know, our last podcast with Orthodox Mike. He said, yes. a, he said an interesting uh, uh, proverb, an Orthodox proverb, was that the more one talks to God, the more spiritual he is. The more God talks to a person, the more mental he is. <laughs> so uh, I remember that now. You know, the fact that Abraham was hearing voices in the desert, I, I've often thought about that. Like, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, maybe, I mean, I don't know, lead poisoning? I don't know. I don't know. Right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I've thought about these things. You know, I, you know I'm just kind of confessing. I'm not, the morality piece, I'm never going to come to grips with that. Can I add something to that? Please. I always felt that there are always people that are, and this is not to put anyone down or raise somebody up. It's just the way it is. I always feel there are some spiritual seekers that always make more of a sacrifice to be closer to the Most High in whatever way they can. You know, mm -hmm. some don't. Doesn't. I'm not saying who's good and who's bad or right or wrong. I'm just simply saying that is. Yeah. So do. Does that put them in a position where they have a more of a, what am I trying to say? more of a um, an understanding where if, if this was something somebody was going to attempt to follow through, that they wouldn't have a problem doing it? Yeah. You know, I I, I just in, in, in relating I, to Abraham, if you go back and you look at Abraham. Number one, he's the only person in the Bible who's called the friend of God. And he had, at this time in his life, God had already visited him several times. Himself come down as, you know, say the angel of God. Well, or, he beat him up already so, in a wrestling match, too. Yeah, so the angel of God as Yahweh had already visited him several times. He had already talk, come and talked to him in person, already given him promises. So... It's not even from, like, say, our perspective where we're like, if I hear a voice, but to have God actually come and visit you and have the creator of the universe, to have the creator of the universe actually say that you are my friend. And Kill you your son. Still the answer is no. Not happening. <laughs> not happening. That just reinforces the proverb, really, when you think about it. He's either completely spiritual and right in his thinking mm -hmm. with his relationship to God, yeah. or he's off his rockers. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. no gray. Uh, that doesn't leave much room for gray area. But that is also what made him the father of many nations. And really, yeah. if you look at it, Abraham is the foundation of the Bible itself. Right. Right. Well, you know, I think he's a uh, sissy. <laughs> right. I think he's a bum. He's a bum father. If he was going to do that, horrible. He's he's a great Christian. Horrible father. Um, Absolutely horrible father. He, he couldn't have There's been no a Christian. Well, what no. was he? What, I'm sorry. What? What? He, is, he would have been a Jew. A Jew. Whatever. Yeah. I, I apologize. That, that'd be my. Ignorance. Technically, he's the first um, Hebrew. So thank you. I was just going to say. He's a good relationship with God. He's got a horrible relationship with his son. He's a bum of a father. I have no respect for him. <laughs> I'm confiscating your beer. Abraham's <laughs> 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 a bum. He's a bum. Sorry. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, and I, I can mm. empathize with your, your thoughts. I guess it, uh, maybe I'm anti-sympathetic to the, to putting myself in Abraham's shoes. Like mm. um, I think you mentioned about elevating someone. Abraham has been elevated, and I think the Bible's always been speaking to multiple people. So uh, Jews, you know, they call Abraham father. So I, I do think that story might drive you away. 
but it might drive a lot of others to it. I wouldn't put yourself in Abraham's shoes because God didn't ask you to do it. You know what I mean? God yeah, could ask right. you to look at Abraham and say, "Hey, you know, this is this is one scenario that I'm that I'm showing you here." Thank God, God's not asking us to do it. You know, so I I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't make a decision on what someone else was tasked with. You know, it almost That's seems like because if what you said is true and he had this expectation that God was going to provide and come through with a miracle. It's almost like a mental game of chicken at that point. Yeah, sick game. <laughs> like, all right, it's a sick game. Going to come through. Sick joke. <laughs> like, how far? Like, how far am I going to have to go through with the sacrifice? You know, it, it, before the miracle happens. That's. It, it, it almost feels cruel. Yeah. But even even to Abraham, right. if that's the position yeah. he was put in. Yeah, but think about it. You're, I agree. You're you're friends with the creator of life itself, the guy who created. All that you know, the entire cosmos. Yep. The answer's still no. <laughs> Not doing it. Hey, remember and, I was supposed to take him up to that mountain and, and kill him? Actually, I don't know. Revin some hot chocolate by the fire. Watch much better time, God. And I'm not uh, saying you should. security. We've got a breach here in the system. Breach <laughs> <laughs> down in the system. And I'm not saying you should. It, it, there's references in the Bible to every man is tested according to the measure of his faith, right? I don't know. That's a big test. That's a very good point. And, and so the greatest measure of faith would have been the life of your own, you know, progenitors, right? Your, your own, you know, children. Those who would pass... The very person that God told you that is going to be great many nations. Right. That would be the greatest test, especially when you are the father of many nations and everything is going to come from you. You know what would be... be but I, I, I mean, that would be the greatest measure of faith. Now, for me, it might be like, hey, hey, yo, Juice Man, you're not going to get beer this week. That might be a great test of faith for me, right? So, <laughs> right. I, uh, I just, I still, even again, okay, you understand, like, I, I have this relationship with God. He's the creator of everything. Like, one, the answer is still no. I'm not doing it. I would say, I would say, I think this story would have more value if, um, you know, if uh, Abraham said, no, not going to do it. This is my son. I'm going to protect him with everything, even if it is you, God almighty all powerful and then god's like that's what i wanted i wanted you to think for yourself and do what was right not do what i'm telling you to because it's clearly wrong i think that would be a stronger message i'd be like oh that's a great story then but uh no i don't know <laughs> and, and mind you and there's even more hidden stuff in this story that you don't see because you're reading from an english bible for example right. in the next step number one god does provide the sacrifice right Two, two goats to appear, right? And they're able to make their sacrifice. You know? And they're able to go on after the sacrifice and everything is good. But then, centuries later, you actually have the Son of God himself, God, making the sacrifice himself on the, as the same story on the same hill. You know, so... I like it. I like it. I like the recall. Himself, I like it. once again, himself providing the sacrifice. So, Abraham is a controversial person. He, is. <laughs> he really Even is. Even though he is accepted as the father of all three mono, you know, monotheistic faiths. Yeah, Abraham is still a controversial person. I mean, you know, one thing I've always had trouble with accepting about Abraham was what's his wife's name again? Sarah. 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 Sarai, that's Sarai. When, Sarai. 
the uh, forced. Uh, I, I won't say forced. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Pharaoh? Is this a Pharaoh story? Yeah. <laughs> I want you to pretend that you're my sister, not my wife. Well, te- in- technically it wasn't wrong. Okay. <laughs> to go in and, and um, because if they find out that you're my wife, then they'll want to take you away from me mm-hmm. and, and all of this. And, you know, she ended up having immoral relations. Well, well did she? No, it's no. never stated. Never it's never stated anything happened. Actually, the king's the, the pharaoh said he told her you could have caused me. Yeah, he does say that you could have caused me too. Yeah, caused caused what? Caused him to have sex with her, and yeah. he he didn't. I thought they came down with something. And, that, yeah. No, that, that was never stated. Never stated. <laughs> no, no. Okay. No, it was stated that it could have happened. Okay. Yeah. But still, the fact that she was put in that position. I, I'm not disagreeing. Had, I'm not I've disagreeing. Had trouble with that story. Like, yeah, yeah. Why would you even put your wife in that position? Yeah. Into your uh, for what reason? Yeah, but it just goes yeah. to show you just how human anybody can be. Yeah, you know when we give in to our our own fears. So the, I think the controversy goes way back. But one of the why. one of the other underlying things here too is that even as Christ had talked about. And it's stated throughout the Old Testament there's too. It's the saying, you know, one of the things is that it is obedience is better than sacrifice. It is one of the one of the key verses that comes around with this. But the thing that also that even Christ said, you know, when he was uh, challenged by uh, some of the, the leaders of the of the of the synagogue and I mean, of the temple at the time. Said, well, what are the, the two greatest commandments are? And one was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. And the second was just like it to, to love your neighbor as yourself. So it hinges on those two. Those everything in the Christian faith hinges on those two. Those two commands. And so, as Abraham, you know, despite his. Uh, Stupidity and his lying and his deceptiveness and things that he's all done through his whole life and even at this point he's he's received his son. But he he I believe that it's not stated in here and it doesn't clearly say that. But I think what it is that God that Abraham I think trusted God enough to know that it wasn't gonna go it wasn't gonna happen. I agree with you, Steve. I think those are you know, the Christian faith, that's what it hinges on. But the argument, I guess, goes back was Abraham was not even a Christian. No, he wasn't a Christian. So he didn't even hold the values that we hold in the New Testament. Right. But he had a relationship with God. That's the next thing I was going to say. I was going to say we had a a bond, you know, a relationship or whatever you want to call it. See, one thing that's special to me about the Bible is it can touch people differently. So, like you guys. Yeah, exactly like that. <laughs> Not quite, but um, so so it doesn't. I don't see that. I don't. I don't see this story as Abraham trusted that it was going to be a happy ending. For me, it's important to say I don't. I can't tell what good is. I'm not equipped for that. God knows what's good because He can see the beginning and the end. So I, to me, the story is more powerful. Saying Abraham admittedly knows he's. Inferior to God, and if God says something, to, to trust it. Now, that's just personally what, what can drive me, 
and maybe it's what kind of keeps me from being so disgusted by the story. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of I can't be mentally weak at the time, but I value that, and and it kind of puts it takes that responsibility away from me to judge. And and in today's society, where everything is judged and Damn. everything's either the victim or the attacker, you know, I don't really have. I can say, hey, look, this is what God says. This is my ruler. This is my measurement, and I can't tell the difference. Because, honestly, when someone secular comes to me and says, you know, this or that is good and, and why are you being a hater, um, I do feel like a hater sometimes, but it's not my call. Yeah. So it yeah. kind of gets me out of it. That's good. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, I don't know. If, uh, I, I see what you're saying, and I have, I've also, like, just uh, – talking with people and debating people like religion and stuff like that I've, I've kind of heard that before like i don't know i don't look at god's word as being i don't know absolute like determining what's ethical here like clearly uh, right even as we're all kind of like oh we're kind of baffled by this story like clearly i could demonstrate like a higher level of um yeah, I don't know, a higher value of human life, um, treating people, just having to, like, again, just going back to ethics ethics, and just having an ethical value. Like, I feel like I could behave better than God in this case. But do you this think is you, just a sick joke. Do you think you overvalue human life instead of spiritual, eternal life? Oh, absolutely. Well, would I, I overvalue it? Uh-huh. No, I, I don't know. I think... That's a kind of a weird question. I guess, no, it's a good question. I guess I never really thought about it. I don't, there's probably nothing... I don't know. Well, I always thought, because I was a scientific background, and I always thought, like, (laughs) leaves on trees die and fall off, and birds and animals, and and we can walk past that on a daily basis and and not really flinch, and I feel like, why why are humans different than leaves on trees? Everything's a cycle, so to me, I think we're not different. It's just a phase. We're, We're green right now, but we'll be brown someday and turn into dirt, you know? And so it's like, God's in control of that. It makes me just feel better that I'm part of this this science and spirituality mm. so and I, I I do think yeah and then to answer your question I didn't I definitely put a higher value on human yeah. life than if that's well, how you look at it I, like I'm here for right now it's clear like it's not a, a thousand metaphors that I'm supposed to interpret and supposed <laughs> to believe in like yeah, this yeah, is yeah. real right now yeah. this is what I know that's where I'm putting my money in so yeah but, to answer your question then if uh, what's well, so your, your point question, though but you, what you're trying to yeah. say is that um uh, who's the dude from the atheist experience? I can't think of the guy's name. I don't remember his name. I know who you're talking about, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the the host on the atheist experience. He's a funny dude. He really uh, is. I don't agree Bill with Mauer? everything he says. No, <laughs> he's got a bald head. Yeah. Mm. Okay. What to listen to? Yeah. <laughs> he used to be a Christian Pentecostal. Uh, That's why he's an atheist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, Whoopsie daisy. How that happen? <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know, he says, you know. He looks at all the stories in the Bible and he says, you know, if you calling yourself a Christian today is going to stop you from murdering, raping, doing all of those things in that story in the Bible, by all means, call yourself that and stay in church. Because if you say you're going to get out of church and you stop reading the Bible and you're going to immediately start doing these things, I don't want you to do that. But I don't need to do that to not murder, to not rape. Yes. To not do those things. I agree. I agree with that all day. And I almost feel like, um, and I think I may have brought this up before. I don't know. I was so smashed the last podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Drink responsibly. He had a cap. Where I almost feel, uh, 
<sighs> I almost feel better coming to that decision on my own, weighing the options, and being like, you know what, this is unethical, this is inappropriate, this is bad. I almost feel better that that's coming from me and it's not being told to me, you know, through a book. And uh, I just think it's deeper. Like I feel like, um, like this is this is my silly example. I don't know. Maybe this maybe this rings a bell. Maybe it doesn't. Um, have you ever had uh, like one of your kids do something bad to like an adult, and then you make the kid apologize, and he's like all pissed off and he's crying. He doesn't want to say sorry, but you make him. Right. <laughs> I feel I feel like kind of like you know I feel like um, that's kind of like the Bible telling you to not murder somebody. I feel like <laughs> right like the, the kid it'd be better if the kid was like that was wrong. I want to go over here and apologize, not do it because you know. His parents are telling him to. Right? I, don't know, I think it just goes stronger. I think it goes further that way. I think. Well, Co- coming from in here, not not this book. Well, I mean, okay, so in, in in defense of Abraham, that's what he was doing when he was obeying God in doing this. What's that? He was from his heart obeying what the Creator of the Universe told him to do. I thought he was just listening to what God was telling him. Exactly. That wasn't coming that from is, the heart. If he was but that was his, his heart, heart. He saved his son. That was his heart. Now, remember, you're talking to the Creator of the Universe. Somebody Darn, who's like, the answer's no. all right, you did well, it. God okay. came in here doing oh, all kinds of magic. All right, he's alive yeah. again. I mean, we're talking about the Creator of the Universe who created somebody who should not have been born or conceived. So from Abraham's thought process it's like well yeah if i sacrifice him it's no big deal because he'll just make him alive again what's the consequences he was dealing with if he didn't do that i don't think he gave him a consequence oh my gosh and there's really <laughs> then why follow through with it <laughs> oh and by right? defense if there's no consequence to right the yeah. consequence is that you're, you're going to kill your son and you don't know if god's going to bring him back you, you you're having faith that he is or you could just Stay at the hot campfire and have hot cocoa. But number one, I don't think they have hot hot cocoa. What year is this? Yeah, nineteen eighty four. Is a Terminator on? The cow trees are in a different area. This is about six thousand years ago. Oh, okay. I mean, they're probably drinking. Did they have the internet back? They're probably drinking. They're probably drinking. Of course they did. Come on. Uh, this is like hot you camel milk. You could have just Googled it up. You would have known the answer. It was only Yahoo or Alta Vista. <laughs> Are you kidding? Back then they only had Alta Vista. Right, Alta Vista. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Web crawler. Oh, <laughs> but uh, that's at, at, at his point, that is what he's doing is from his, from his heart, He's obeying what the creator of the universe told him to do. I'm interpreting different. Now, I think his heart tells him not to kill his kid, and that's why he was challenged by that. I think his head and just listening to God yeah. straight up. But and I think you're absolutely yeah. right with that. I, I'm sure he hit. Yeah, the wrestle. I'm Say, sure I'm not he did. Do this. I'm sure he did. He shouldn't have. Would have been the right answer. Yeah, but that's coming from from you in the modern. Remember, you're not in the ancient times. Okay, you're not living out of tents. You're not, you know hoping that bandits don't take your camp over every night, right? right? So that's you living in the modern day, and it's easy to say that from your position. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like... I mean, like hindsight's always twenty twenty, yeah. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. You could be like, yeah, I'm going to go get some margaritas tonight. You know, back then they were like, I hope I, I live the night, right? So, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, a little different. Right. Perspective's a little different, right? Gotcha. 
Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. The whole but, but I really appreciate this, the the, the question and 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 how you're thinking. Well, thank you. Because um, a lot of uh, people of faith uh, don't uh, agonize over these things, and and we should. And and we just willy nilly ex- accept it and say, well, it's there, so therefore it, it is, and, and we have, and it, that's that, and that's just so lame. I yeah. think a lot of people of faith have a hard time challenging their comfort zone. I agree. You know, they don't well, the way we grew up, were we allowed to even question these well, things? Well, yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Once again, that's the root. Yeah, There's the foundation. The you have to, yeah, right, yeah, to, it's a question yeah. like that. Yeah. Because you're, you're considered an outcast, and I, like I said, I could hear my parents now. Yeah. You know, really, I, I, I can, man. I could, you know. That's it. You know. In the baptism. Yeah. Ten times, down in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, yeah. but, like, 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 uh, Orthodox Mike said last time. Yeah, you're actually doing a very biblical thing when you're questioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very nice compliment, of Orthodox Mike. Uh, <laughs> he, he had some good pearls of wisdom for us. Mike brought up a very. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say Mike brought up a very good way to look at it too. When you say, hey, you know, leaves on a tree die, you know, animals die, and the cycle of life. How many of us can sit back and look at it, analyze it from that perspective, you know? And and then I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier, the deeper thinkers, you know? Yeah, I do think, I think the root, you're with us. Like, none of us hopefully read that story and then turned a page and was just like, next. You know, like that. (laughs) We shouldn't do that, you know? So I applaud you for actually like, oh, man, this sucks. It should suck. It should be impactful. I think that's the point. Yeah. Well, I agree. Challenging the comfort zone. Yeah. Right? You know? yeah. I'm trying to put myself in Yahweh's position, if I may, Ooh. back then. That's tough. You know, I'm ready for this. Yeah, Yahweh. Don't be setting my back so many times, so I'll be nice. <laughs> Yahweh, <laughs> Yahweh almost wanted to see what his response was going to be, right? Mm. Why did Yahweh need to learn that about that? Oh, my gosh. Right? He's, he's supposed to be all knowledgeable, all knowing. He's supposed to know already. I mean, that, so why even. Put him through the test when he already knows. Right. Well, I, I guess if Why? I'm Abraham, I'm walking along thinking like, well, you already know I'm not going to do yeah. it. Yeah. But I'm going to pretend like I am going to do it so you can see that I'm stopped doing it. Like, I, I can't I can't understand from Yahweh's position why he would need to test well that at that point early on. Can, can I throw something suppositional out? Yeah, no, go ahead. I'm just thinking <laughs> right. out loud. So... I have two, if you go to my, my blog page, I have two very controversial articles that nice. I've been called out on. Very, very... Is the one with like 500 comments right now? No, that's oh. a different one. But that one's fun, too. Um, nice marketing, by the way. <laughs> thank you. What is that URL, Aaron? Just <laughs> go to crudejuice.com and you can find it. <laughs> um, I have two very controversial articles on there called Can God See the Future? And... I honestly question whether the creator, creator of the universe himself, could see the future. And I know, okay. yeah, and I know that's a very 
I mean, I know that like every single Protestant out there is like, what are you talking about? Of course. So you're saying but, there's even a part of him saying like, maybe Abraham is crazy. He might just do it. <laughs> I'm going to have him do it just in case. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Freddie to miss that, right? Whoa. Whoa there, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs> the thing you actually well, do I mean, you got pass. to the point where the knife was up and he grabbed the, ar- the angel grabbed the arm. Right. crazy, Abraham? Well, the, the idea. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to do it. it. <laughs> Man, <laughs> power! You're gonna do it. Yeah, we lost all our followers. The the idea behind the articles is actually, and and try to follow me on this. All right. Okay. The idea behind the articles is that can God see the future if there is no future yet? All right, so. Imagine that it's before God starts inception, all right? There is no seed of creation planted yet. From Now, if you think of it from a timeline point of view, there's nothing to see. So can God see a future when there's no future? Or did he first have to plant those seeds to start creation before he could see a future? Doesn't he have to be able to see all futures? Because if free will was possible. True. But but wouldn't he have to start creation before he could see the futures of the creation? Now once it's no. once it started, once it started, then he can see every possible future. Yeah. But, but how can you see it if there's no beginning? Yeah. Now we're talking before Big Bang, before anything. We're talking about before there is an inception, before the egg is even conceived. Yeah, it's a mathematical problem at that point. You know, whatever's in his head is eternity. You know what I mean? But you're not factoring in free will I was just gonna say, that's why I am factoring in free will I'm not saying he sees a future I'm saying he sees all of the futures but can he see all the futures if he doesn't even know who will be born yet this is before inception of creation I mean there's X there's the X variable you just start plugging in so I but you're talking about how fast this calculation billions are. and billions and billions of people Super who computer. aren't conceived yet I would have to say lean toward no. If free will is truly free will, then I would say that um, no. Yeah, and, and, I, it and, is, and, it's, it's relative at that point. Yeah, right? and and and, well. and and I don't think that takes away from God. I think that adds to to his own nature. To be honest, yeah. I think it adds to his own nature that he has to start inception, and then allow free will. Because without free will, there's no love, right? So you have to allow free will. That now you can see every possible future and every possible flaw that anybody will ever have, but you had to do it before you could actually know what would happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we doesn't... just got ten thousand hits on our uh, website. <laughs> <laughs> to back up, what were you saying? Um, oh, about God not knowing. I I'm not so sure this was about God finding out. This wasn't a test for God to challenge Abraham. Yeah. There's been some times I've anticipated my emotional response to something mm-hmm. and been dead wrong when something happened. Something died that I thought didn't mean a lot to me, but then yeah, when yeah. they died it changed my life, you know. So this was probably more for Abraham discovering something yeah. or the Jewish culture having some sort of standard to to teach. Absolutely. For us yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to chew on, I don't think it was God saying. I, I agree with that. I was just trying to put myself in his position to see as yeah. to why he would even demand that in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it got in the Bible. You know, I, I yeah. have a feeling this is part of, you know, like us talking about tonight was in his plan, you know. 
imagine if 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 that's about to happen and there's already ten scenarios that could take place, and that he just has to manipulate each one of those timelines so that the one he needs to come out comes out. This is getting weird. Good. <laughs> right. Good. I mean, right. That's how he writes well, the book. That's how he writes the book. Right. <laughs> So now question number two. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, <man. laughs> Can we go there? Tizer. Top three questions. Right. You're right. No, there's like eight. There's like eight of these. Anyway. <laughs> Luckily there's two in this one. I was actually able to lump these two together. Because he had two questions. One about knowing his family and why his wife and his daughters were not mentioned. And how come Hashtag misogyny. <laughs> and how come Adam and, and how come Eve during Adam and Eve uh, was allowed to eat a fruit and now still suffers birth pains? Oh boy, that's, that's what he said he wasn't touching, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm not even touching that one. Right, right. right, right. I'm sort of, kind of ish touching these tonight. So I'm going to start out with this cool quote from uh, Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. So it says. Scores of texts exist containing legendary material from the Egyptians, Sumerians, Akkadians, Hittites, and Canaanites. They are conveniently collected in J.B. Pritchard's Ancient Near East texts. Among the most interesting and biblically relevant is the Gilgamesh Epic, an Assyrian account of the Great Flood recorded also in Genesis 6-9. The story is written on the 12th of, I'm sorry, 11th of 12 tablets in Akkadian and recounts the experience of Utnapishtim, the counterpart to the biblical Noah, during a great flood. There are many interesting parallels to the Genesis account, along with some significant differences. The Gilgamesh epic is also known from other versions older than 1000 BC, among which are the Babylonian, Sumerian, Hittite, and Hurrian accounts. The original composition of the Akkadian account, which is the fullest and best known, is placed by Pritchard somewhere at the turn of the second millennium BC. The text we possess was found in the library of Ashbur Binapal at Nineveh. Now, huh? to break down the reason why I read that <laughs> is that you're taking the first ten chapters of Genesis. And the first ten chapters of Genesis are what are called polemic. And polemical stories are stories which are known among all the ancient cultures. I just read off several different Asian cultures. I'm sorry. Um, Mesopotamian cultures. From that area. And they all have the same tales. They're polemical. So when we take the story of, like, say, Adam and Eve or Noah, those are stories that are well known by the Egyptians, Sumerians, Akkadians, Hittites, Canaanites... They were shared knowledge, shared lore, shared folklore of their time. And each one has their own spin on it, including the Jewish tales that we call our own. So we have to take each one of those with a grain of salt. Even Adam is not an actual name, okay? Adam means human one, humankind, okay? So it's he's an archetype, and his wife, Eve, where it's creation comes out of all, right, is also an archetype. So we have to take those with a grain of salt, not just as literal figures in history. Could there have been literal figures? Yeah, they could have been. But that's not the point of those first ten chapters. The first ten chapters are taken as things to learn from polemically. Okay. 
Yes. Well, so what was my question regarding Noah then? Uh, his wife and his um, daughters-in-law. Oh, okay. How they were just not. Yeah. <laughs> so, they're just they're just women. Right. But who cares about them? <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to know where they're at, they're in the kitchen. Where? Right. Um, so. Um, <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Or pregnant. Oh man. Um, I don't. I. I mean, I feel like I could go, I could go all day about um, Noah. Oh, um, oh, man. So, the house. all right. So when we're talking about, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> all right. So I don't know. I'm ready to talk about Noah. Um, so when you're, what was that word with the P that you said? Is his name Pol- polemic? Pol- polemic. 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 Right, so, tell me what polemic means again. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> okay, so although he was a drunken sailor, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so let's say, for example, you're taking the story of the Akkadians. All right. Uh, if you go back here and you Can look, we boil it down more. If you look at 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 uh, Utnapishtim, okay. Of course. Okay. <laughs> he, he is the Akkad. He's the Akkadian Noah. Right. Okay, so so it's just it's like a story that's been shared all over the place. Yes, right. Okay, they might they might so, have different names. They might have different, but it's the same concept. Yes, and all so right. what you do is you take your religion and your god and you place it on top of that story, so that way that story becomes part of your culture and part of your tales. Okay, now are we taking Noah? So then are we saying Noah is um, allegory? Did Noah actually happen? Did they actually live to be now, like 500 years old? We believe that Noah probably was a real person because he was shared by so many cultures. Okay, But it was probably a localized flood, not a global flood. And it probably happened in the area of the Mesopotamian Valley. All right, So it probably wiped out all the people and all the nations in that valley. And it was restarted after that. But more than likely, it was just those 70 nations that were wiped out in a localized flood, which to them would have been global because if you look at their world was back then. Exactly. Exactly. The 70 nations was their world. Right. So. So did they live to be 500 years old? I doubtful. Very doubtful. So if, I mean, I guess that if the flood wasn't really the entire planet, it was just like a localized flood. It was probably done in like a couple weeks. So why is the Bible saying they lived to be 500? (laughs) Well, as some of the scholars will say, the, the numbers themselves may just simply be reminiscent of how those archetypes and each one of those figures is looked at in the um, their relation to the culture and their religion and their families may have resembled um, where they stood. Okay. Nobody really knows for sure, but if you look at... Well, for example, if you go back into the Akkadian ages, uh, each one of them are measured in tens of thousands of years. So, the Akkadians will say that, well, this ancestor lived 30,000 years, and this one lived 50,000 years. So, really, it just tells you how highly they think of each okay, one okay, of those right. patriarchs. I get it. So. It's kind of like Luke Skywalker in the new Star Wars movie. Hey, there there you go. The story exploded, right? <laughs> this, right? Right, okay, I get it. <laughs> so. uh, all right. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I'm not going to touch on too much then. I feel like if it's... You know what you're saying? It's kind of like a stretched, tall tale kind of thing. Like folklore. Folklore. And and even Um, then, folklore doesn't mean it wasn't real. We know that, for example, Johnny Appleseed was a real person. 
Okay. But we know that we've created folklore around his tales to exemplify his character rather than his real circumstances. Okay, excellent, excellent. So. Um, okay, so why why is God killing everybody? <laughs> okay. Like, we hated it when Hitler did it. I actually have... When we, like, when we, when we took out all the Indians, we're like, oh, all right, guys, here's some land. We're sorry about that. Um, do you, God does it, we're do, like, totally cool. Even if it do, was a two-year-old baby, not do yet. You, do you mean Native Americans? Did I, what did I say? Indians. You said Indians. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> PC police. <laughs> Sorry, Native Americans, right? You know. Uh, so anyway, that you know, I just feel like genocide is generally frowned upon. Why is it suddenly cool when God does it? You know what? And we're just like, okay, it's cool, God. I'm actually going to wrap that question up inside because that actually relates to a question later. Oh. So I'm going to wrap that one up with another question later. All right, fine. What was my question about Adam and Eve? Oh, the you, Yeah. Yeah, birth pangs. Got it. Once again, it goes back to folklore. All right. Okay. But to go to go back to that folklore piece, though, I'm not sure personally how I feel about other cultures and other religions having our story in their own version, right? Because mm-hmm. isn't ours just the only right way? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, that's how it makes me feel. That's how right? we've been brought up to think that. Yeah, so right. we've yeah. been reared that way in that thinking. Like, wow. No, 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 no. Ours is. Why are there so many religions? Right. But it's very true, and I look a lot of ancient Egyptian uh, uh, records. They have a lot of similar stories with names that are almost the same as Moses, and and uh, but they're just a little bit different. But so, on one hand, you can say that reinforces the story that it actually happened at some point, or or I, I don't know. Is, or never is, happened. Is there more pathways, you know, to the Creator than just ours? Well, the the Orthodox perspective would be that there is a uh, a fragment of truth inside of all religions, mm. and that there is a true pathway to the Creator, but that all religions do see that there is that pathway to the Creator, and they, you know, very imperfectly try to find that path. Yeah. Or imperfectly, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, growing up, that would be considered heresy for me, man. And for example, if you look at China, all right, if you look at, if you go to China, there's, um, oh, what's his name again? Um, I'll think of it. Bruce. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Deity. 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 There is uh, Shangdi. Thank you. There's Shangdi. There is Shangdi. Shangdi is. Uh, a very well-known religious figure in the ancient times. We're talking about the B.C. era. And he was the invisible God. And if you look at his attributes and his stories, it matches almost perfectly with Yahweh, the invisible creator. And there's even stories about how Yahweh told his people that there would be a redemption later on. And... It matches, like I said, almost perfectly with the ancient idea of who Yah- who Yahweh was. And then to this day, let's say that uh, Mike is a missionary in China, okay, and you need to relay the story of God in the Old Testament. Do you know what you call him? No, not in China, I wouldn't. Shangdi. You actually still use the same term, Shangdi, to describe the invisible God. He has the same name used from that ancient religion because that's who they know as the invisible God. 
Um, there's a similar story, and I will, I don't have it on me right now because I wasn't prepared for these stories tonight. <laughs> there's a similar story in Africa of the invisible God who would minister uh, to the people. And once again, the stories were very, very close to the uh, ancient Jewish stories about how this invisible God would manifest himself and there would be a coming redemption and everything else. So I really do not think if you look at the history of uh, different cultures around the world, that God didn't neglected anybody. So, mm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't have much of a problem with that direction. I have more of an issue when when you're talking about um, Baal, you know, having his songs, and then Christianity kind of taking those songs and and embracing them or. or Israel embracing them and inserting Yahweh into Baal's uh, characteristics. Mm. That to me is like, I don't know if we want to do that. But oh, that—that's—but yeah, right. that's called a polemic. Yeah. <laughs> I still want to think. I'm but not even ready for that. A, more, but, a little more modern side too is that uh, a lot of our hymns used to be drinking songs. Mm. Yeah, we do not condone that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, well, 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 I mean, but, you know, what I'm saying, they were, it could be they, they were, you know, they, they weren't like, yeah, the the songs that we think of today, you know, that you know, this is like back in, you know, in the day, but uh, they were songs that where people were making merry with, you know, yeah, and that's true. <laughs> that's true, man. a lot of the old, a lot of the old uh, priests were some of our first brewmasters, though. Well, that's yeah. true. Still are. If you yeah. look around the world, you'll still find Trappist beer and Trappist wine and Trappist whiskey, and that's those are all brewed by monks. Mm-hmm. So if you go to I this, believe in it, God, George. There it is. If you go to if you go to the monasteries, you see orchards. <laughs> uh huh. And that's that's not for fruit picking. <laughs> the uh, question three. This is a good one. We'll probably rest oh, here for boy. a while. Okay. So. Was it? 1 Peter 2.18. Peter's use of the Greek word oketius, here for a specific kind of slave, indicates that he has household slaves in mind, although his comments are applicable also to slaves serving in other capacities. Greco-Roman literature did not often address slaves. The early Christian writings regard slaves as full members of the household unit. They, too, have rights and moral obligations to the members of their household. Quote, Slavery in the modern Western world is not equivalent to Greco-Roman slavery in the first century A.D. The vast majority of slaves in the Greco-Roman world were agricultural workers earning a living, not forced into service. Slavery was a key socioeconomic institution in Greco-Roman society. Abuse and slavery did not go hand in hand, although some slaves did live under harsh conditions. Early Christianity did not oppose slavery outright. Instead, slaves were often encouraged to submit to their masters as an expression of obedience to the Lord. Outright opposition of the institution of slavery at this infancy stage of Christianity would have been detrimental to the gospel spreading throughout the world. However, the early Christians did critique the institution of slavery by challenging its unilateral authority structure 
and affording slaves a greater place within the household. Slaves were also taught in Christian circles that while they lacked the freedom of free persons, they possessed the ultimate sense of liberty, freedom before the Lord. Lame. Unquote. Um, now, what you need to take away from this is that first part. I was reading that last part, though, Juice. Oh, go ahead. Um, slaves were also taught in Christian circles while they lack freedom of free persons. I feel like we're coming back. I knew you were going to say this because I feel like you and me had this battle once before. Where you're trying to say that the use of slave mm-hmm. back then wasn't the same as like how I'm interpreting it now. That's true. But okay, look at that last sentence. Mm-hmm. Like how it says that, you know, they lack the freedom of free people. But define... Sounds like a slave to me. No, no. But, it, so but here's, hey, here's, the here, here's the definition. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Here's, let, let's put a definition first upon what slave. I want to challenge. Yeah, this is Greco-Roman, all right. This is Greco-Roman, all right. So if you look were... at the difference, if you look at the difference, let me just put a definition on for you. Free person meant I'm you had. I disagree with your definition. <laughs> free person <laughs> meant you had a lot of equity and property, okay, and so you could stand on your own and live on your own and hire in those slaves. That's what that meant. It means I'm growing grapevines. It means I'm in the marketplace. It means that I'm out there selling goods. That's a free person. The person that wasn't free was the person who had to go work for the other person. That was the person who wasn't free because they don't have their own property. So they had to put themselves into a contract with people for X amount of years, and they had to serve them in order to try to gain their own property in order to live on their own. Like indentured servitude. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is Greco-Roman mm-hmm. servitude. It's not what you think of when you think of American problems. No, <laughs> no I agree. We've changed that into immigration these days. <laughs> oh. um, gosh, I wish I would have prepared for this question. I feel like I... No, but you make a valid point because even... And they're even trying to change this, put a spin on it now because if you go to... Uh, uh, plantations or place where there used to be plantations, they'll refer. If you if you go to plantations now, they're trying to put a spin on it, society. And when they talk about the slavery, they refer to the slave as workers. Mm. And they use that term several times. And I said, "Excuse me, are you referring to the <laughs> to slaves <laughs> as workers?" And and the lady said, uh, "Well, yes, yes, we are." I said, why are you doing that? Workers are people that get paid huh. for what they do. Well, it sounds better. <laughs> and I, my response was, if I was telling your story and I didn't do a thorough or 100% to the best of my ability, I don't think you would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well put. Yeah. Well yeah. put. Yeah. yeah. Well put. So, I, I, uh, the follow-up, I, I, I think I might need some help. And again, I wish I would have... St- remembered this question and I wish I would have studied up on it. Was it. Isn't there some, what what rules is it talking about? Isn't there some, like, a bunch of rules on how to treat your slaves? There are. There yes, are. What are they? Are. And, and there's, they, like, now, mind can't you, you kill them and stuff like that? No. No. You no. sure? I'm yes. sure. You guys I'm sure. sure about that? Yes, I'm yes. sure. Yeah. You Go. can nail their ear to a doorpost, which I did think was a little strange. <laughs> That is a little strange, but it goes back yeah, to that's Semitic. That's not even a joke. That's but, 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 but the nail. It, it but goes the back to Semitic culture. It's different. Was it's, a, it's actually a phrase. 
<laughs> you, if you, you, that was, but that was the choice of the person. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, they, Mike. when they did that, they said, "I'm, I will be with you forever." So yeah. That's right. It's a love tap. Right. Yeah. And the reason why they usually did that was because let's say you're a good, let's say, let's say you are a good employer, a good master. All right. And I say, Mike, you know what? You've been a really good this year. I'm gonna give you a house. You know, choose a wife if you want. You can have your own kid. Um, just you know. Since you're since you've committed to me for life, it's yours. Yeah. And and that happened a lot in the ancient world. So yeah. yeah. So I mean, if you look at that's why, for example, if you put a a, a ring, if you put a ring through your nose, um, that often meant that you were permanently indentured through yourself to your master. So may I interrupt for a second? Yes. Peanuts make me a little parched. Beer. <laughs> the second beer is coming. Okay. <laughs> Join us for the rest of the conversation in part two.